And when we talked this, this morning about the youth and their church, which is the, and again, I don't know if you knew that was the, this, the uh, topic that was coming up here for these next few moments. But we're not going to talk so much about the nature of that church and what that church should be like and what that church should believe and what that church should practice and where that church should be found. We're not talking so much about that today. Maybe that's what the people had in mind. I don't know. They didn't give me any uh, indication of what they were looking for. But we're talking about today the relationship between the youth and the congregation itself, that, that, that relationship that exists there. And when I'm looking at this, these subjects, youth and their fathers and mothers, their friends, their church, we're looking at some very, very endearing and very important relationships in your life. And so this morning, it is your relationship with your congregation. And, and so I'm not here trying to describe or prescribe what that church should be like. And I, I'm supposing that among the people represented here, there's probably some variation there. There are some things that should be the same in all of them. Many people have said that youth are the church of tomorrow. But our youth are the church of today. Were it not so, were it not so that the youth were the church of today, why then, very obviously, tomorrow we would have no church. If we're going to wait till tomorrow to have this church, and the youth are not there today, we're not going to have a church tomorrow. The youth have got to be part of the church now. It's a vital part of the church now. So if we don't have anything else to say about youth and the church, then let's establish that and make that clear. That, that you're in this thing now. There was once a minister of the gospel who came to a wayward youth. This wayward youth, like many of you, not all of you, but like many of you, were, was raised in a, in, in a Christian home and in a Christian church context. And this youth decided he didn't want anything to do with this. And he was tired of it, wanted to go away from it, and was going to be going a different direction in life. And so that's what he was doing. So his life is now... Separated from home and separated from the congregation, and he's going a different way. This minister came to see him and said, If you are not willing to stand in the gap and maintain the position that you were taught, that your parents brought to you, that your congregation stood for, you're going to walk away from it. You're not going to do it. You're not going to believe it. You're not going to practice it. You're not going to have it. What God will do is this. God will find someone who was never taught it, who did not have it, who did not know about it, and God's going to bring that person in, and that young man is going to do what you're unwilling to do. That is what he said. And that should help us understand the value and the importance of a young person in their congregation. And the young man that he said that to is standing here talking to you right now. It was, that was, those words were said to me. And I, of course, you don't forget words like that when someone comes and talks to you. And maybe that illustration would have fit better tomorrow where we have a lesson there on the youth and their pastors. This person was not my pastor, but he was a pastor. But it certainly is a truth. And this, this idea that we have here is a reciprocal idea. It works like this, that youth need the church and the church needs youth. And that's the position I'm going to be taking this morning. I'm going to say that all of us here need a church. Young people need a church, and the church needs the young people. Now, I'm just going to talk about young people a little bit. 
And, and church, you, you can place church, plug church in here where you want to. I'm just going to talk to you about some young people that you probably already know about. Mary was quite young. She was the mother of our Lord Jesus. There are those who feel that she was someplace between 14 and 16 years old when she was visited by that angel. And then X number of months later gave birth to our Savior Jesus. But she was very, very young. Evidently. Saul was a very young man. The Bible says that when he witnessed Stephen's death. Timothy was a youth when he began a ministry with Paul. And we know about Daniel, how young he was, and his three Hebrew friends that were down there in Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. We have all heard of a 17-year-old boy named Joseph. We know that story, don't we? Just, just think about this, and think about yourselves and your age. Jeremiah said that he was but a child when he was called of God in chapter 1 of that prophecy. And so was Samuel. God has plans for young lives, any young life that is consecrated to him. And Amy Carmichael said, Make me thy fuel, O flame of God. I was 21 when I was called to preach something over 48 years ago. One of the greatest revivals in the history of the Christian church happened. Let's read it. In 1 Chronicles 20, 34. Let's go there. Youth and their church. There was one king who was younger than this when he reigned in Judah. That was uh, Joash. But that, that reign didn't come close to amounting to what this one did. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one in 30 years. He was only 39 when he died. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. And that was very unusual because his father was a very, very wicked man. His father was probably the most wicked king that Jude ever had. It's, it's very unusual that this happens to this eight-year-old. For in the eighth year of his, of his reign, Josiah is now 16 years old. While he was yet young, notice what this says, he began to seek after the God of David his father in the twelfth year of his reign, 20 years old. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images, the molten images. He'd break down the altars of Balaam in his presence and the images that were on high above them he cut down in the groves the carved images the molten images he break in pieces and he dusted them and stirred it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them and he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Israel or Jerusalem and so he did the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon even unto Naphtali with their maddocks round about. When he had broken down the altars and the groves and had beaten the grave and the images into powder and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Jerusalem, he returned, of Israel, excuse me, returned to Jerusalem. And now I want to read verse 8 yet. Now in the 18th year of his reign, 18 and 8, that's 26, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, Zazaliah, Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. Now many other things happened 
in this particular year of his reign. But if you just jump over to chapter 35 and look at verses 18 and 19. And there was no Passover like to that kept in Israel from the days of Samuel the prophet, neither did all the kings of Israel keep such a Passover as Josiah kept, and the priests and Levites, and all of Judah and Israel that were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, in the 18th year of the reign of Josiah was this Passover kept. That all those things we're reading there happened during that one year. I'd like to get one more reference about this young man. In 2 Kings, would you turn there please there yet? In 23 of 2 Kings, I'd like to read verse 25. This is a very unusual verse in the Bible. If you have a King James Version of the Bible, it's one of very few verses that has the word all in it four times. This verse will be written about no one else. What we have written here about Josiah will be written by about nobody else. Notice what this says about this young man. This again is 2 Kings 23, 25. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. Now what do you think about that? Had these words written about a king that's young, as, as he was young. There was none like him before, and there was none like him afterwards. That what did he do? With all his heart and all his soul, with all his might, according to all the law of Moses. There was nothing like it. Young man. Youth and their church. Youth and the church. These are beautiful words. Why do youth need the church? I said that it's reciprocal. I said the youth need the church, the church needs youth. Why do youth need the church? And I want to say something here before I answer this question. You will listen, please. These next couple words are pretty important. We're talking about racing with youth and the church. And I'm saying here that we do not fault. We do not find fault with those who with all their hearts, young people, would wish to be part of a church. And today they are not part of a church. We're finding no fault with that. I want you to know that God hears the cry of your heart. Some of you have talked to me these days that we're here together. God, God hears that. God knows that. That's not an easy position to be in. You hear the testimonies of these other young people here and they, they have their churches and their families and they are participating and they're active and they're excited about it. And you feel like you're on the outside and you'd like to be part of it and you're not. God knows that. I'll say a couple more things about that to you. God knows how you feel and he hears that cry. You know, Joseph didn't have a church either. Did you know that? I'll say something more. Neither did Fernanda, nor Tanya, nor Andrea. There's the three girls at home. Tanya's mother was a prostitute. No chance for her to have a church. But she came to be able to have one. Fernanda didn't know what a Bible was, didn't know what was in it. 
never had a home. Said some of the worst experiences happened to her by the time she was 12 years old that any girl could ever experience. There was no church for Fernanda. There was no church for Andrea. She was a, an orphan. Where her parents were, who would have, who would have known? And God heard the cries of all those people. They, they found that God gave them a church. You know, the youth that were in Cornelius' family, they didn't have a church either. And the youth that were in a jailer's home in Philippi, they didn't have a church either. That's why we had the message this morning that we had, so that they could find a church and be part of a church. Somebody's got to do something about that. Why do youth need a church? They need fellowship. Youth need accountability. There's a very, very interesting phrase in the book of Corinthians. It says, the cup of blessing which we bless is talking about the communion service, the Lord's Supper. Every young person in this place needs a cup of blessing. What does that mean? The Eucharist. What does that mean? A cup that has a unique blessing on it that no other of these would have. Although it's, glad to go, it's good to drink a glass of water or a glass of orange juice. There's a, that, that cup, that communion cup has a blessing upon it that, that comes into our hearts and lives if we participate in it. And all youth need that. You do and I do. All saints, all, all excuse me, all youth need to, need to experience the washing of the saints' feet. All youth need to be part of the lampstand, the testimony, the glorious light of the city set on the hill. All youth need to know who is their own company. We have that phrase in chapter 4 of Acts when they came out of the prison, that came out of that interrogation time with the high priest. It says they return to their own company. Every young person needs that, that, that identity and that security, their own company. Youth need pure relationships. You young men, look over here. Look, look at the side of this building. Do you realize the beauty and purity and cleansing it is for your hearts and minds to see this kind of modesty dressed here? To see this kind of example, to, to see this kind of deportment, to see this kind of body carriage, to see this kind of behavior, to see this kind of humble attitude, to see this kind of meekness and quietness of spirit. And what does that do to your heart to be in the presence of that for these days? It's a tremendous thing when you look at what's around us in this world where we live. It's a beautiful thing. Every youth needs that. The convictions of fervent and godly young men. Some of the things that I heard here in this discussion group this morning. Outstanding to hear that. The rest of us need to hear that. Where do you go to hear that? Where, where would you get a group of people together and be able to hear those words that we had this morning from young people and, and in the group downstairs with the, with the ladies? And we just have to have that. It, it does something to us that we can't do without. It's God's plan that we hear that and part of that and participate with that. And are strengthened with that. And iron sharpens iron. We need that. The blessing of a volleyball game. Where there's no anger. No criticism. No ridicule. No showing off. No boasting. No skirts flying in the air. No sleeves up to the shoulders. Modesty. Carefulness. Joy. Blessing to be together. Enjoying it. One with another. No one put down. This person makes kind of a... A little kind of a 
<laughs> funny mistake in what they're trying to do. Everyone enjoys it. No one put down for jammed, jammed into the corner because that happened. Who doesn't want to be part of something like that? You need a church. You need clear Bible teachings, spiritual discussions, seasons of prayer together, the guidance of wisdom of older ones, an opportunity to open and cleanse their hearts with one another. They need the ministry of grace and life in their lives. And I trust that our churches are doing that for our youth. It's a tremendous opportunity we have to listen to these young people speak. Let them open their hearts and cleanse their hearts and pray one with another. You need the church, but, but I need to hasten on here. The church needs the youth. May I show you some Bible verses? Would you follow me there? Acts chapter 2, would you do that? I'll just read this briefly. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. See if you can find yourself in this verse. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Look at that. The church needs youth. Look, what did that say there? And, the, and, and your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I guess that's the category I'm in. I'm not sure. I guess I'm kind of passing from the first to the last there. It might, at least it might happen in a day or two. You, you see here how, what the church needs. Look, look what the church needs. Look, read that. What does the church need? And God wants the church to have that. Titus chapter 2. Verse 4, here we're teaching young women. And it looks like these young women here might be married already. But look at verse 6, young men likewise. Look at these sober-minded young men. A sober-minded young man in the church. Well, the church has to have that. Go to 1 John chapter 2. Verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for the, his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the, the beginning. I write unto you, young men. Why? Because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. The church needs youth. I thought I'd just give you several snapshots. Well, I think we'll try to stay as close to these limits as we can, but thank you very much, brother, for your kindness. <laughs> just a couple of snapshots here from our little congregation in Costa Rica. It's not a big congregation. And, uh, and so this is just a little taste of home. How that the church needs the youth. And I hope by the time I'm finished with this list, your hearts will be blessed like mine is.
when I think of the young people in our, in our churches. So here are a couple of shots. We baptized a 17-year-old young man in our congregation not very long ago, and he wanted to do something for the congregation. He just wanted to do something. So on his own, he invited everyone to come to a little town hall kind of a thing we have down there at the bottom of our village. And so everyone came, and some other people came. The whole congregation was there, and some other people came too. And he, he, uh, we had to, someone had to pay a little bit of rent for this building. It cost uh, $18 to rent this building for this activity, and he wasn't sure how he was going to pay for that. Not $18 of American money, but it's in our money. That would be about $18. But he thought, that's okay. We'll see what we can do. He wanted to do this. So we had a game there, and the people brought some food items, and there was a prayer there, and there was some time of fellowship together, informal, and it was just such a beautiful time. And so I walked up to him and, and just blessed him for, on his own initiative, to to uh, invite the congregation to such a beautiful activity. A 17-year-old boy. Everyone came. Just, just a real blessing. Let me tell you this about our church in Costa Rica. About one half of our families in our congregation, listen closely, are married either four years or less. What does that say about the importance of youth in a congregation? About one half of our members married four years or less. And one of these daddies, recently married, married just about three and a half years ago, came to me and said, Brother Dale, you you, you gave us some teaching on our children. Give us more teaching. (laughs) We don't know how to do it. Give us more teaching. The contribution of youth to the church. We're on this trip. We will be away from Costa Rica for three weeks. While we're on this trip, some people from our congregation and some visiting youth from another location were up on the roof of our house Our roof is real steep, and I don't have a ladder to get up there. It's a 10-pitch roof. And this weather in Costa Rica, there's like a black moss, like a black uh, uh, mojo. What is mojo in your language? Uh, Mold growing over that roof there, and and it's, it's hard on the paint. And they washed all that black stuff off there while we are here on this trip. When we get home, the roof will look very, very different. I've written on you because you're strong. <laughs> we just have to have that. We just have to have that. It's not on my paper. It didn't happen in Costa Rica, but it's in the Bible. Did you know even in the New Testament, in the church at Jerusalem, when it came time for a funeral, the young men helped with that heavier stuff. Dig those holes, carry out those bodies, 
Did you ever read that in your Bible? In Costa Rica, our, our young men help dig graves many times. We don't have a backhoe in there that does it. We do have to dig it by hand. We depend upon our youth for that. We have had a lot of, a lot of funerals in Costa Rica. But back here to this. We have a young sister in our congregation. She has one student. Listen to this. The student stands about this tall, but he cannot walk. She teaches him every day and does exercises for him. He's now at the place where he can take his walker. And so she encourages him in his pee-pee steps and his progress. What do you think God is going to do for that young lady for the time she's investing in that child? Great is your reward in heaven. That's all I know. Teacher with just one child. Youth in our congregation have served in a deaf institute, in an orphanage. They've served in a classroom. I don't know what all they've done. But I'm going to end here with a story that helps you understand the importance of youth in the church. The contribution that youth make to a church. This, again, is from our congregation. But we sent one of our families up to Nicaragua to a new church that we were starting up there. And then we needed someone there to just kind of watch over this mission for a while and take care of the church services and visit the native people there on the island. You know, and in the country of Nicaragua, there's a large inland lake called Lago Nicaragua, Lake Nicaragua. And on that lake, there's a large island. And on that island, there are two large volcanoes. And about 30,000 people live on that island. And the only way to get out there is by a ferry. And this ferry is, uh, takes about an hour ride from the mainland out to that island. And sometimes the water is very choppy. And very, at times, this ferry is in danger to make that trip because the waves are pretty serious at times. So that's the only way back and forth. All food that gets back and forth is not raised out there this way. And anything from the mainland, anything you want from a hardware store, it's got to all go on the island, on the ferry to the island. And so we had this family up there, and our young people from our congregation decided to, to just all go up there some weekend and bless this family because they're up there kind of alone, a little bit isolated from the rest of us in the church down in Costa Rica. And so our young people are going to go up there and spend the weekend. And so they get up there, and now they wait on the ferry, and they get on the ferry and come across to the island. And now there's an old, old rickety bus there that's going to take them down across the seashore down here to where the church is. And there are tourists on this bus. And these tourists are from the States. These tourists are from Europe. These tourists are who knows where they're from. And so we have our young people on this bus, and these tourists are on this bus. And what I'm telling you, we heard in a devotional in our congregation on a Sunday morning from a young man who was with our youth group on that bus. And he said, as he stood before us, he said, I was on this bus, and I heard the swearing and the laughter and the giddish attitude and the boisterousness of these people and the noise and the show off and 
He said, I just found myself getting irritated. Why this terrible noise? Why this awful disturbance? Why must we put up with this? Why don't these people get off this bus? Why? And all of a sudden, I thought of something. Fabio, that's the difference the gospel makes. You're not part of that group. You're part of this group. You don't belong to them. You belong to these. If it wouldn't be for Christ, I'd be doing that. But I'm doing this. And they've got this purpose. And we have this purpose. And Fabio started to cry at 23 years of age in front of the church. And so did everybody else. That's why the church needs youth. You're part of a very, very precious thing to be part of a church. You make your contribution to your church. You be thankful for your church. You be faithful to your church. You be a testimony for your church. You be a right influence in your church. You'd be out there if the Lord wouldn't have called you. But because He called you, you're here. This is where you belong to be. And may God bless you, youth, and your churches at home.